Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Today, we have a very special guest, Claire. She is going to share some extremely difficult pieces of her life, sharing a personal story that is truly unimaginable of how she was able to live through it and be with us here today. She's been able to overcome so many hardships. And what my hope is, is that her bravery in sharing with you her story helps women that might be listening or a woman you might know who desperately needs support and needs a helping hand. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for giving your heart and your compassion for Claire and her story. So today we have a wonderful guest, Claire, and Claire has been through what no woman should ever have to go through. And I give Claire such huge kudos and I so look up to her because she's sharing a very personal, frightening, hurtful story. But what we talked about and why she's here and why she's so brave to do this is that we know there are women that are listening today that can identify with what you've gone through, that need to hear from someone like you who understands them, that's not going to judge them, Mm -hmm. to help them find a safe space. So before we get into everything, we always talk about money when we, you know, start with Financially Ever After. What is your money history? And how has that impacted you? Maybe I should start with today where my money is. Yeah. I have negative balance in my checking account. My ex-husband decided not to pay alimony this month, and I've been living month to month for the last year and a half. And I have what's in my wallet for right now. So I'll just say that that has been my biggest hurdle. And so you're still continuing to battle. I am continuously battling. And the reason I have nothing is because I wouldn't stay on a phone call over a month ago before he was leaving for Europe, where I discovered he kept pausing and I asked him what was going on. First, this was a couple of months ago. I discovered he was doing something not sexual on the other line while talking to me on the phone. And That had already happened, and I didn't realize it until this last month where he admitted to it. And then when I said, I'm getting off the phone, my whole body just shrank. Everything, the pain, everything was like right in my face. And for a split second, I almost stayed on. And I realized that I am very close to, like my soul is dying. Yeah. You know, and that screamed at that moment, no way. So where I'm at is, this is where I am. 
And so he's punishing you Mm -hmm. for not allowing, being allowed to continue to bully you and abuse you. Very much so. Which has been my story with this man all along. And it's been my story with men Mm -hmm. my entire life. And what you shared, when you and Charles first met, it was Mm -hmm. kind of like two peas in a pod. Your relationship really got serious Mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. I I recall you mentioning that Mm -hmm. you guys moved in within, I think, something like two months. And it really felt... When did things start to change? Was it gradual? No. Or was it like all of a sudden, who is this person? I think it was very soon. But unfortunately, I knew nothing else. I was being treated like a princess in a certain way, told not to work. Told you were beautiful. Told me I was so beautiful, would be taken care of. All of his friends in the commodities business were doing the same and were either married or with these beautiful women who shopped all day, lunched all day, and partied all night, mm-hmm. you know, and looked really good on their arms. And I thought different than most of these women, but I actually witnessed one of them before my physical abuse began calling me frightened because she had married her abuser and asked me to help her get away and get to the Hamptons and hide. And that's when Charles, who was my still boyfriend, we weren't even engaged at the time, really got nervous and tried to up his aunties. And then we were supposed to get engaged. And he chickened out of that. And when I realized, he got really angry. And he started every day blaming whether he made money or lost money. On me. It began right away. He was a clerk. He wasn't even trading yet, but he was making money as a clerk. And I don't even know the business. I don't even know the business after all these years, after 30 something years of a relationship with this man. I just know that depending upon certain things that he did, he would make more money. Mm -hmm. And then that turned into our relationship forever. If he made and so money, he would come home. You mm-hmm. pick him up from the train. If he made this money, is later on, yeah, because we were living in the city at first. Then we okay. moved. Yeah, so it was mm-hmm. okay if he made money, but if he didn't, then he would blame you. It was okay in that he wouldn't say, "Oh, I had a great day because of you." I would spend and not get in trouble. But the minute he lost, the American Express bill came out. The Screaming and yelling came out, the throwing things at me, the telling me I was worthless, that I was going to live in a box, you know, that I needed him and that I was supposed to be what he wanted and that I was stupid whenever I tried to do anything on my own. That's how I lived. That was it. And I stayed, but I hid behind a lot of other things, unfortunately, for a really long time. Cool. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you see yourself back then, Mm -hmm. did you ever identify with your friend that called you that was worried about her safety and going to the Hamptons? Did you ever put yourself in that bucket or did you think that's her situation? That's not mine. No, I did. did. I did. Um, Charles was on a boating race from Bermuda back to, I forget what port up here. And um, he and I did a lot of cocaine. He and his friends did a lot more than I did, but 
he had some locked away in our apartment and I knew it. And an older female friend of his called me to have a party and broke into his cabinet. And I allowed it. And we did it, almost all of it. It was a lot. And I didn't know he was selling it and making money off of the sale. So I assume was to find out at this time, very enmeshed in a life with him, that he was dealing drugs as a clerk. He wasn't just a clerk. He was to the rich and famous, a drug dealer. So it was a big deal. And when I told him over the phone, I thought, oh, you know, she was here and we had a party. He went ballistic and told me not to go anywhere, that he would be home soon and he was going to kill me. And that's when I really realized I'm in trouble, but I have nowhere to go. Yeah, I have nowhere to go. He came home and he beat me bad. He beat me really bad. I can't imagine how slow the clock ticked mm. of you just waiting, mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he was going to be coming. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, to be honest with you. And the cycle of emotional abuse mm-hmm. and physical abuse, I know that some women listening are asking themselves, why doesn't she leave? But it's not that easy. No. No. I know that you said you reached out Mm -hmm. to your parents Mm -hmm. to try to escape and have Mm -hmm. money. That was when we were married. Yeah. And they said no. They said no. Yeah. No. So what do you do when you can't go anywhere, when you feel trapped? Were you able to confide in your friends? No. Did you have a therapist that you could? Not then. Not back then. No, no, because I really, really didn't come to terms that I wasn't deserving of it. Like I didn't deserve that from forever since I was so abused as a child, really had no self-worth. I really, really didn't. And it didn't matter what I looked like on the outside, what I could cook, what I could present. Mm -hmm. I could put on a really good front, unfortunately. But in the bedroom with him, I couldn't. So I got in trouble for that a lot. And I never really couldn't understand why he stayed with me back then till I later on, I'm jumping around, but I later on found out that he looked for women with trust funds. I did not have a trust fund. My parents did not hand out money. My father was very successful, but we worked for spending money. And I don't know, to this day, there's a part of me that thinks this little part of Charles was forever angry from that moment on. When he figured out he didn't have a trust fund. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You know, something that you wrote that I felt like was so poignant, you talked about how you had a beautiful house. Mm -hmm. To everyone outside, you looked okay. You, like I said, had a beautiful house. You rescued animals. You were a gourmet cook. You were a fabulous party thrower. You Mm -hmm. had extensive gardens Mm -hmm. and money. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, a black card, everything, a Range Rover, a million something house that they and could so own at 15 acres. Yeah, to the outside. Yes. The two of you. It was fabulous. Like, Everybody thought it was it. Yeah. You had it all. Mm-hmm. You had it all. Mm-hmm. And what is so important for women listening, people in their minds sometimes mm-hmm. have a myth mm-hmm. about what relationships have emotional and physical, and for you, financial abuse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they often think 
of lower income, mm-hmm. lower yeah. net worth, living, yeah. you know, living on the poverty line, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's those types of mm-hmm. relationships where this is much more prevalent. Mm-hmm. But there's a secret mm-hmm. that this happens in front of our eyes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to beautiful women, mm-hmm. amazing women, mm-hmm. smart women like yourself. Mm-hmm. And I share this for our listeners. Claire isn't telling you everything and that Claire was one of the top ballerinas and studied with some of the most accomplished dancers in the world, was a successful model mm-hmm. and actress. And when we see mm-hmm. someone like you, we would never fathom mm-hmm. that you don't have the love of yourself, the self-confidence. We want to be like you. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think about People Magazine, People Magazine, it's like I'm eating a candy bar with no mm-hmm. calories. <laughs> I love to look at the pictures and we love to learn about celebrities mm-hmm. because we want to be like them, mm-hmm. just like, you know, accomplished dancers and mm-hmm. models and things like that. But you had this brave face. How did you have the strength to, to have that brave face to the rest of the world? Not even having your friends know. No. Strangely enough, no matter how abused I was, even as a child, my household was happy. So I could find happiness in certain places. I had really supportive grandmother who was with us. My mom was pregnant a lot, so she wasn't around that much. How many brothers and sisters? I'm one of seven. One, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm the third girl. There's five girls, two boys. I have a brother who died when he was a baby. I was seven when he passed. And, but I always had escapes. I've had escapes since then till very recently. I didn't even realize what self-harm was until I taught in a school up in Vermont a couple of years ago for mental health and was shown it extensively with children harming themselves. And that's when things started to click for me. You know, I still had no confidence. I still have trouble today, you know, with it, but I'm working really hard not to. I don't know. I'll be really honest. Up until three weeks ago, I was having suicide ideations. Like they came out of nowhere. Well, I shouldn't say that. They came from the phone call with my ex. Yeah. And I have PTSD from a whole lot of things and I couldn't stop it. Does that make sense? I just couldn't stop it. So kind of like you're, I'm hopeless. You're visually, like I've done this and this may not be what So there have been times where I'm running around Central Park Mm -hmm. and maybe it's a little too late at night or Mm -hmm. a little too early. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I have a flash of me being raped or killed. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. tell myself, stop, Mm -hmm. don't do that, Mm -hmm. right? I'm physically consciously telling myself that, Mm -hmm. but then sometimes I go back to that. Mm -hmm. It's like a... It's a fear flight thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so... This is a different situation, but having pictures in your mind Mm -hmm. about getting rid of this pain Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. taking your life, Mm -hmm. do you find that it's hard to stop thinking about that? I caught myself Yeah, um, because it was really scary. My whole body could feel it. Like I couldn't move. It was just, it was horrifying. Um, It was like I was in a hospital bed and someone was drugging me and I couldn't move or breathe or talk, yet I was. I was, but I'm not working right now. I'm having trouble finding work. 
So I'm spending most of my day with three dogs and two cats up in Hopewell Junction in Dutchess County in a rental that I didn't pay my rent this month. And he told me I had to leave three days ago. So I don't really see people, but I do go to a 12-step program almost every day. And that's where I see people. But I don't have to tell my story. I don't have to talk if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And you can share on what's being spoken of and shared at the time. But I go there because my tool, when I was old enough, I'm jumping around, I'm sorry. When I first drank at 13 and blacked out my very first time drinking at a party, all my friends were doing the 13-year-old party things. And I was holding on to a bottle of vodka and just kept pouring it into my soda because the very first sip, all of a sudden my body was like, oh, I don't have to feel anything. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't have to feel. And before that, I was the little girl who would like go swimming in the ocean. All right. We used to go to Jones Beach and really good swimmers. But I would go out, like you're saying, the Central Park thing and have the vision of the shark and keep going. I'm talking, I was six, seven years old and then get tumbled in the waves and have this thing in my head going, oh, well, who cares? Oh, well. Like at that young of an age, that became a go-to muscle for me, very negative muscle, even saying that my spine hurts, like I'm trying so hard to stay in the positive. Now I'm trying, I'm practicing staying in the positive and keeping my body feeling positive. So I did that. You dare me to do something, I would do it. I would climb the tallest tree and hang upside down, you know, and not care. And then alcohol, like off to the races. Yeah. Off to the races. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the best band-aid. It is. It is if you know how to do it right. My last, my bottom, I think I shared a story with you guys. At this point, in the end of my marriage, I was sleeping in a separate room. I was forbidding Charles from the bedroom because I was in blackouts and he was raping me. I really never enjoyed sex with him. And I stayed with him throughout it all. I used to put my head back and cry. And that was for years and years. And I got back together with this man, years and years of it. And when I finally locked him out of the bedroom, he would yell at me and say, I'm going to burn the house down around you. So I was at such a heavy, steady pace of drinking and had pills that were given to me after 9-11 for PTSD that I would black out and take, I don't know how many of whatever I had and hope to God I didn't wake up because he was going to kill me at some point. Yeah. You know. So this was an easier way. It was so much easier. Yeah. And yet my soul inside didn't want to die. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, I really didn't want to. I really love life, can really find joy in so many different things. But I didn't know how to get away from him. I asked to get divorced. He said, no, you leave. I had nowhere to go and he knew it. That was the fallback for him. You go. You go to your shoebox. Leave everything here. Yeah. I remember you shared that he told you you're going to live in a shoebox. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and threatened you and mm-hmm. told you that he was going to kill you. And mm-hmm. what I think is so important for individuals, people listening here to realize is that, Claire, when you've been a victim of abuse, mm-hmm. you are a changed person. Mm-hmm. And 
you shared that you had awful experiences when you were a child Mm -hmm. and that that is part of the reason that set you up for another man. Definitely. And so recognizing Mm. that, that if you have had any type of abuse when you are a child, that you seek support, that you seek help, because often we relive those cycles. Mm -hmm. And you mention about Mm -hmm. Charles and you say it with almost embarrassment of, I went back to him, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that's the only relationship you ever knew. Yeah. Yeah. Even talking to him on the phone at this point, years into almost four-year divorce, I have that shame because how dare I allow myself to speak to a man who told me to die yeah, or he was going to kill me day after day after day after day. But at the same time, the challenge that you have is that you have Tyler with him. Yes. Yeah. And I have no money. And you have no money. (laughs) And you need that alimony. You need that child support. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Tyler was little. That was the first time I was divorced back. So I married the same man twice. (laughs) And how old is Tyler now? 28. He's 28. Really successful. Mm -hmm. Thinks he has to take care of me. So he has no idea of what his father has been doing and that he hasn't paid me this month. He knows I'm not working, but he has no idea. That you're suffering. And that my landlord just told me I had to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just messaged me on my way in that he was coming up next week. I don't know. It's interesting that I'm here today because of the law that got passed on City Hall steps this morning at 5 a.m. Do you know which I'm talking about? Tell me because I have So sexual abuse. If you were sexually abused, there was a window in the past. You had to be a certain amount of years and a certain age where you could still file if you hadn't had the strength. Mm -hmm. And I'm a year too old. I'm 56. Now, the new law is 55. It used to be 21 or 18, I forget. But today, it became 55. So even though I can't go collecting on all the people who sexually abused me, I'm sitting here collecting my soul back and telling you. So I don't know what will come with Tyler and myself and how I will share with him because I feel, I don't know, I'm letting it all just unfold. You have a step-by-step. Yeah. Day by day. I had to do this when I met you and I heard you and you talked about your grandmother. I said, you know, you're strong. You're so strong. But I really could understand what you were talking about. And I didn't want to feel the way I felt anymore. Yeah. And for those of you, I'll just share that Claire and I were fortunate enough to meet each other at an amazing Mm -hmm. event for women talking about women, power, and protecting the planet. And I was sharing how important it is, we as women, that this is a social issue Mm -hmm. that we need to be able to have agency over our money because it allows us options. It allows us to have better ability to escape from Mm -hmm. unsafe Mm -hmm. positions. Mm -hmm. And I know you resonated when you heard that my grandmother passed away because she couldn't escape. Mm -hmm. She didn't have the tools or the support. And to this day, my grandfather is someone that 
we hate. And the uh, biggest blessing I say is Mm -hmm. that after he pushed her down the stairs, thank Mm -hmm. God, God took him six months later. And so I'm so Mm -hmm. blessed Mm -hmm. and it's awful to say this, but it's so true. I'm so blessed that my children never met met. him, Mm -hmm. but they know about him Mm -hmm. and they know how Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. money is. Mm -hmm. And when Charles tells you Mm -hmm. leave Mm -hmm. and you know, you have nowhere to go because Mm -hmm. you don't have money. You don't have access Mm -hmm. to the money of Mm And I have oh. animals all over my property as well. Yeah, that you're taking care of. That, he, that you're rescuing. When I was ill, he allowed a goat to be killed to harm me. He did hurt so you. many things. Because I know he knows <sighs> that you have a heart of he gold. He beat my, my animals, you know. Yeah, yeah. I really hope that there's a special place in hell mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. like him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can guarantee that my grandfather's down there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the women who are listening now that are finding themselves realizing that the way they're being treated is not the right way, mm-hmm. whatever portion of the spectrum, whether it's words being said to you that are not kind to awful physical, sexual, Mm -hmm. emotional, Mm -hmm. financial abuse that you felt, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them? What do you wish someone had done for you? Could someone have saved you? Or what did you need to do to be able to save yourself? Well, I don't hold my mom responsible in any way because she didn't know what I was going to her for. But when I was 12 years old and I had had it with my uncle, I finally was going to tell on him. And he was comparing my breast to a Barbie doll and telling me to lift my shirt in, in a basement stairwell. And I went running. I like pushed him and I went running. I said, I'm going to tell into the kitchen. He was my mother's sister. He is. I don't even know if he's alive. He's my mother's younger sister's husband. My mother's sister was hysterically crying, which she always was because he was so abusive to her. So when I ran in and said, Mom, Uncle my mother said, wait, Claire, I'm in the middle of this. Go up to your room. I'll be there in a few. And she never came up and so it never she, was talked about. She never, Mm-mm. she never knew I don't know. what he was doing to you. I, and I don't know. How many years did that go on? Because it started when, it you started were when I was three, as far as I can remember back. And that's, yeah, so that was not the first time yeah. it had been had. Oh God, no, no. From but three to 12. You had mm-hmm. decided that you were mm-hmm. going to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you ever tell your family? Did they no. ever? No. I've spoken of it. So nine years ago, I shared with you earlier, I think that I had just started having the real memories. I always knew that he was a creep. He always gave me and my sisters like the earth go away. Yeah. They're divorced. Ugh, he's just so disgusting. And I could remember certain things, but not the sexual. Yeah. The full sexual things. And then nine years ago, I did a lot of my drinking on a front porch by myself. All of a sudden, these heavy flashes started coming in. And I called one of my sisters and and asked her, I said, is this true? Is this what happened? And she broke down and said, I can't talk to you about it. It's too much for me. I'm really sorry. Yes, it's true. Maybe some other time. So she and I have since that was nine years ago, spoken of it maybe three or four times. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that cycle of abuse. And again, Claire, this has been part of your life. It's been part of your mm-hmm. whole life. And until mm-hmm. a month ago yeah. when I hung up on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also so appreciate you being so honest because there's so many of them. There's so many. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. And men and women. Sometimes people feel like mm-hmm. that it all goes away. Mm-hmm. Right. But what you're sharing mm-hmm. is that, yes, you're out of the situation, mm-hmm. but it's so important for mm-hmm. you now, mm-hmm. Claire, to keep that support yeah. around you mm-hmm. so that you can continue to have the strength mm-hmm. to put one foot in front of the mm-hmm. other, mm-hmm. to be strong for you, mm-hmm. to be strong for Tyler, mm-hmm. to not be drawn back. I don't know if this is the right analogy, but it's almost like, I know for me, I have to be very careful with drinking. My mm-hmm. father was an alcoholic. My mm-hmm. mother was an alcoholic. Yeah, so you know it. My yeah. awful grandfather was mm-hmm. an alcoholic. And I find myself wanting to drink more. Mm-hmm. And it's a great example. I went out last mm-hmm. night. And mm-hmm. My husband and I had dinner with another couple. We had a ball. Mm-hmm. And I had two glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. When I came home, mm. Claire, I so wanted to open another bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Got myself a big glass of water, mm-hmm. kissed mm-hmm. the kids goodnight, mm-hmm. and jumped in bed. Mm-hmm. And woke up this morning so thankful mm-hmm. of feeling so good and having had a great night. Mm-hmm. And I can continue to make those good decisions if I'm strong mm-hmm. and I have the right support, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and you have to have self-love. You and self-love of, of love loving myself in that yeah. moment mm-hmm. as much as I mm-hmm. know I need to love myself and care for myself in the future. Mm-hmm. But we all, and I'm being real about this. I mean, it's Thank you. for me in some ways very embarrassing mm-hmm. that I struggle with that, but... Mm-hmm. Again, I find with my support Mm -hmm. around me, Mm -hmm. I can continue to make those good decisions. Mm -hmm. Even though you have something in the background that's almost like trying to pull you back, right? Because you know it. It's a muscle. You just go back to it. It's just like pulling Mm -hmm. you back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like the, oh, well, you know, forever. Yeah. You're sharing I won't do it tomorrow. Exactly. (laughs) And you've been so real Claire, to be honest about mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. that it's not always easy. No, no. And the reason why I'm being so honest, I didn't know how honest I would truly be here. I mean, I'd be honest, but how much I would indulge, you know, but my heart just knows that if there's one person who hears this, I hope that it can help them because I was helped. I am helped. When I ask for help, there are people who are there, yeah. you know, who say, you're so worth it. Yes. What are you doing? You know, you're so talented. I'll tell you one thing that stays in my mind is my son. So when I first got sober eight years ago, his dad called him at school. So he would have been in college. He was in college. Yes. Yeah. So I was about 20 then yes. in college. And told him that I was crazy. And that I was drunk and all these things. And I don't remember how it happened, but somehow over the phone, I told Tyler that I was getting sober. 
and that I had to, and it came out of me that I had wanted to die, that I had thought about hanging myself in our barn. He went ballistic. And I can remember, like it was yesterday or a few minutes ago, his voice screaming and yelling at me, how dare you? How dare you leave me here? You're so mean. I hate you. I'm not going to talk to you. You know, he just kept saying, you're so mean. Why would you leave me here? Why would you do that? And that's the voice that when I can't find my own strength that I'm worthy. You find it for Tyler. I find it there. But I'm learning in the last few weeks. I mean, I've been at places all throughout here where I've been really, really strong. Yeah. You know, I studied shamanism. I've done helped people heal themselves. I've had 50-something animals on my property that I was in care for and, you know, just a lot of things. And people are like, oh, you're so talented. You know, I started a company with organic healing products. They all fall to the wayside when I allow myself to not be worthy of myself. And being worthy. Yeah. Yeah, but I stayed with a man who kept telling me I wasn't, you know. He destroyed my company. It was such a beautiful company. And I'm sure he didn't want you to be successful. No. He didn't want you to be independent. No, I was selling at farmer's markets and he would come and I would ask him to leave. And he would start flirting with other women and younger women and just tell everybody, like, just make jokes about my products. And Anything to hurt you? No, I would just go home and drink. Yeah. I would just go home and drink. And then I stopped going. I told him to go to the farmer's market if he knew my business so well. And then your business died. It's, it died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So here you are, mm-hmm. sober, mm-hmm. taking one day at a time. Mm-hmm. How do you continue to keep that strength <laughs> and to build your self-worth? Because I want to live so much. I want to live so much. I've wanted to help other women. I don't know how it will be. I've seen how honesty can really help us strengthen each other with no shame. Sitting here right now, I don't have shame in my body. I don't feel it. Thank you for helping me feel safe. I know for Mm -hmm. me, part Mm -hmm. of the reason why I love helping others Mm -hmm. is because it makes me feel so good about myself. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. When, when you're helping animals, mm-hmm. when you're helping other women, mm-hmm. you... Oh, I'm like a little girl. I know. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> if I could, yeah. I, we have two dog rescues mm-hmm. and a cat. Mm-hmm. And don't tell everyone, we're only supposed to have two animals, but we've stuck in a third. That <laughs> our apartment building doesn't see the cat. So and, he needed a home. He was mm-hmm. living on the streets. And... But you're just like... <laughs> my husband will never move out of the city because he knows... You'll get more. We will have goats. We have adopted rabbits. We I'll will, take care I mean, of them. I had goats. We'll, we'll have all. Oh, I would need to get some tips from you. But it makes me see, feel so full and so good. And when I, this morning, very small, a gentleman was on crutches. He was really struggling. And I could tell he was trying to open. So I opened the door for him. Very small. But he gave me the biggest beaming smile and I'll mm-hmm. cry because it made me feel so good. So these small things yeah. and big things that yeah. we do, what I'm hearing from you is just like me, this mm-hmm. is part of that self-worth of yeah. that living your best life mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. helping others. I don't have to hold secrets for everyone else. Yeah, I was protecting my uncle 
I was protecting all the people, kids that I went to school with who harmed me, you know, all the guys who date raped me, yeah. you know, yeah. definitely my ex-husband, you know, and thinking I was protecting my son, my son who has a very unhealthy relationship with his father now, who is not happy with it. I don't want to speak much for him. It's his life. And, but I have a really good relationship with him. And he tells me he loves me like three times a day, even if it's a text, you know. So I'm really Aww. lucky. I'm really lucky. I'm really, really lucky. And I remember those things. And sometimes on days when we don't feel self-worth, mm-hmm. the love that we know people have for us makes mm-hmm. us think, well, we must be. Mm-hmm. Look how much Tyler loves me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yesterday I was with a friend doing some self-love and she asked me to remember what right now is your first thought of that you can bring into your mind? Can you have a picture of the love that you never imagined being so powerful? And right then my mind went to my dog, Bella, who is not well She has cancer, but she's so powerfully strong and she sleeps with me every night. Somehow she finds her way under the covers. Bless her. And her face is in my face when I wake up. (laughs) And there are days where I'm like, what are you, Bella, doing here? (laughs) But lately she's just telling me this is where I need to be. And her beautiful face just looking up at me with the love that I don't know. Animals can be such healers for us. They saved me. Yeah, they really can. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I find even if you don't have animals, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't like animals, but guess Mm -hmm. what? Do it anyway and go volunteer at the Humane Society. Mm -hmm. Go volunteer Mm -hmm. at some of the shelters because Mm -hmm. that, again, that's part of that healing process of being with with animals that do not judge you, Mm -hmm. that love you no matter Mm -hmm. what. Mm -hmm. They're there. Oh, and they know when something's wrong. They know. And they're there for you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that we're coming to a close. Mm-hmm. And what I hear from you as far as messages to other women mm-hmm. of asking for help, mm-hmm. of creating a support network, mm-hmm. of surrounding yourself with animals mm-hmm. that love you mm-hmm. and that you can care for, and trying to help others. Mm-hmm that then helps build mm-hmm. this wonderful self-love. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would share to a woman who's listening today that's struggling? Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing, oh, there's so many, but if I had to pinpoint one thing, it would be to go deep down in the soul that they know is there since forever. I always knew, even as a little girl, that I was special. To, it didn't matter to who, to me. I always knew, I always, I can know, I had like this invisible glimmer in my eye, this smile, does that make sense? And hug her. I have to always tell that little girl how much I love her. Because if it wasn't for that, knowing that that was there and that it is there, it's, it's always been there. It's always been there. And it has kept me here and will keep me here. Does that make sense? makes a huge amount of sense. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say thank you again. Thank Thank you. you. And I am so in awe 
of you. And you're really such a role model for women to know that there is a life after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no idea what mine will be. Absolutely none. And that you're, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that you're still forming it. Mm-hmm. Big time. I'm excited now. Yeah. I am excited. You're still forming it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the world is your oyster. And mm-hmm. you still have a lot that you're dealing with, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. But that you're making this future mm-hmm. for yourself. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Claire, for being here. Thank and, you. Uh, sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Financially Ever After and stay tuned. We'll talk to you a little bit about some upcoming webinars that we have and podcasts. And again, thank you for tuning in. Wow. What a podcast. It's been one of the most personally moving and inspirational conversations that I've ever had. I want to say thank you to you for being here for listening to hopefully sharing Claire's story with women who might need help. And for those of you that are listening that unfortunately identify with what Claire went through, I urge you to seek help, to reach out to a friend, a therapist, have a helping hand to help hold you when maybe you don't have the strength to do so. If we can help you in any way, please reach out. We are here for you. And I know that for so many women, including Claire, Claire, for so many women, including Claire, the reason they feel stuck and stay is because they don't have the money to go elsewhere. Let us help, a, let us help you with that. Let's navigate this together and figure out how we can move you to a safe, financially secure place. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll be seeing you in two weeks at the next Financially Ever After.